devil. He has nothing good in him. And if he employs you to do his work, he's seeking to corrupt you. So, we want to make sure we stay on God's side. Amen? Hallelujah. I want to talk to you tonight about purpose. Not going to be anything deep, but it's going to be eye-opening. Purpose. What is purpose? We're going to talk about it. And if you turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter and verse 4. 1 Corinthians 12, 4. I hear all types of stuff about purpose. People want to find it. People want to have it. People want to be active in it. People want to be fruitful in it. And so out of that, out of hearing it all, I hear a lot of erroneous statements. Lots of erroneous statements. I've heard for years. Well, you know what? My kids, the way they are, because your teen leader didn't do his job. I think that, that is just a bona fide lie. You know, you can blame it on whoever you want to blame it on, but the truth of the matter is, you haven't been involved in your child's life. Amen. And so people get up and they grow up, they separate themselves from the church. I don't think that has anything to do with their teen leader or the activities thereof. I think it has everything to do with a hypocritical lifestyle at home in that we say one thing and we do another. You know, and, uh, you know, when you rehash everything negative about your church, your children will get filled with negativity. And so a lot of times we make accusations about the church, about its potential, about what it's supposed to do and what it's not supposed to do. And so we're going to talk about some of those things tonight in the purpose, finding purpose. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter and verse 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Understand that the Holy Ghost is the one that divides and places or directs the gifts into a person's life. This has to do with the fivefold ministry, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, has to do with the uh, nine gifts in Romans, the twelfth chapter. It has to do with the nine gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians, the twelfth chapter, and it has to do with the gifts of the Spirit that God has set in the church. Nobody can presume that they have something without it coming out from under the scrutiny of other people. You may hate judgment, but it is your friend. Now, 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and let's look at verse 13. And it says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not 
one member, but many, but many. And if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, and if therefore not of the body. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Well, of course not. And then it says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. The first thing I want to bring out is that God knows you better than you know yourself. And God puts people in the kingdom of God. He's the one that says you get to be an eye. He's the one that gets to say you get to be a toenail or, you know, an armpit or whatever it might be. But what I want you to realize is that God has given every man and every woman a gift in the body of Christ. You're either an eye, an ear, a hand, a foot. You're something. God has placed you in that body for a purpose. Now, if you do not step into that, then you understand that the body will be dysfunctional. Not only that, you will become judgeable because it is like a talent that God gives you and you must use it. So we're talking about the purpose of God. God has given every person that's born again when they are baptized into the Spirit of God, when they are baptized into the Sonship of God, Abba, Father, therefore he then gives them a gift. So every man has a purpose. Amen? The purpose is not to be chose by you or despised by you, but it is to be give, you giving yourself to the purpose of God. You know, I used to say, man, fellas, we need more people. I'm telling you, I can do it. She said, honey, God's given you as much as you can sustain. I said, I know I'm bigger than one person. And she said, well, you can't handle me. How are you going to handle anybody else? But the truth of the matter is, God gives you what you can handle. He will not sacrifice your salvation because you are unaware of a gift that would destroy you. And the devil will use gifts that God has given us to destroy individuals. There are many things that go along with the gift that we are unaware of. Pride. We are unaware that pride is active. Well, I do this and I do that. I'm so sick of hearing that. Would you just tell me what Jesus did and let another man boast of your gift? But I really get tired of people promoting their gifts. But we are in a society that everything is individualized, customized, and made bigger than it is in order to draw attention to individuals. And so it's dangerous that when you find 
your purpose, your calling, that which God wants you to put your hands to, that you do it in a humble way. And that you prefer everybody above yourself. Now, I've heard things like this. Well, you know, if my church doesn't have a place for my gift, I'll just have to find another church. That's called threatening. That's called manipulation. And that's just rooted and steeped in witchcraft. We are never to threaten people. If God called you here before you discovered your gift, there is no reason for you to do anything. God placed you here, and if he hasn't changed his mind, you best stay. But see, if we want to make deals in the kingdom of God, you know, uh, Simeon said this to Peter, hey, why don't you give me this ability that I could lay hands on people, and I'll pay you for it. Peter said, you know what? You're in the gall of bitterness, buddy. You are on the verge of being cursed. Now, Simeon said, please pray for me that this doesn't happen to me. But what I want you to see is that the church does not distribute gifts. You missed a good place to shout. The church does not distribute gifts. Now, I know that we give that little test, uh, you know, idiots looking for people to believe anything. I, I understand that. And I think it's a good starting point that you get involved in something so you can prove where you're at and where you're going. But do I think that your purpose can be discovered by a test conjured up by men compared to the divine deposit of God into your life? Absolutely not. No, I don't believe that. No more than you going to seminary makes you anointed of God or an anointed pastor. It makes you somebody that has spent $20,000 to come up with reasons you don't believe in God. Yeah. So we have to understand there's nothing wrong with education. But I'll tell you what, I'd much rather have a moment with God than I would to have a hundred years of education. Amen. Amen? So, when we look at these things, the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 19, fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift. The altar is far, always far more important than the gift. Amen? If you don't spend time at the altar, your gift will self-destruct you. And so we want to make sure that we don't allow the devil to get in and to destroy us. And it says that a man's gift will make room for him. Man's gift will make room for him. The gift is the man. The room that is being made comes out of his discipline, his faithfulness, his honor, his purity, his growth in God. But none of us can see that. Only God can see that. Only God knows the heart of a man. 
Amen? And so we want to make sure that we, as Christians, do not get intertwined with having a gift and not spending time at the altar that sanctifies the gift that is in us. Ecclesiastes 7.7 7 says that a gift will destroy a man. A gift will destroy a man. And like I said, I've had people say things to me. Well, you know, if, if there's no place for me to function, then, you know, I'll find another church. Is that divisive or is that unifying? It's divisive. It's nothing but the devil. You're just believing a lie. See, man's ability to read man is based upon God's ability to unveil his heart's condition. And so we can't, uh, or nor is the church supposed to, nor able to declare or to know every man's gift. And if your gift is more important than the voice that God directed you to, then I guess you would have to follow that voice. But I'm telling you that it is nothing but a cesspool. Because for the simple fact that a statement had been made, that is false, or a statement that has been made that is uh, divisive, that tells you that it's not God. I'm not trying to be mean, but you know it's time for us to wake up and get smarter than the religious sect out there that knows nothing about God. <coughs> All right, now let's go to... Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, and verse 31. 12, 27 through 31. The purposes of God. And it says, Now are you the body of Christ, members in particular. God hath set some. Who hath set them? God hath set them. Man didn't set them. So is man or is the gift to be subject to the man? No. It couldn't be if God set you somewhere, that's where you're supposed to be until he moves you. Amen? All right, and then it says, and God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, and after that, Miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, government, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles or are all prophets, are all teachers or are all workers of miracles? If all have all the gifts of healing and do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. But covet earnestly the best gifts and yet I show you a more excellent way. What is God saying? <clears throat> Your gift being recognized in your church or in the world or on television, on the Oral Roberts show, is insignificant. They will know you by your love. 
There is no identifying factor in having a gift. Okay, yep, hallelujah. That went over good. Hallelujah. Uh, Now let's look at (coughs) Ephesians 4, 7. Ephesians 4, 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. According to the measure. Now that brings us to a point that every gift does not function like another one. It doesn't have the things that bring it before great men. But it doesn't matter what the gift does you stay sanctified to the gift and let it produce the fruit that you can get out of it. Amen. <clears throat> and then let's look at 1 Corinthians 7.7. 7. Man, there's a lot of them in here. 1 Corinthians 7.7. 7. Remember that these are purposes. Purposes can be lifelong. Purposes can be for seasons. Some long, some short. So, in 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, and verse 7, it says these words, For I would that all men were even as I am, myself, But every man hath his proper gift of God, one after the manner and another after that manner. (coughs) In other words, they're going to be different. They're not going to be like you are dreaming it's going to be. Don't let your imagination make you bigger than what God sees you as. You always keep yourself humble and in a state of servitude and anytime you lose that anytime that we lose the nature of wanting men to know us no that's not what we're about we're about introducing people to Jesus Christ I tell people all over the world forget me but never forget the man that did the miracles Jesus I'm not interested in having a name not interested in making a lot of money I'm not interested in you know doing anything all I'm interested in is introducing people to Jesus Christ now Eric will tell where are you Eric okay Eric will tell you I go into a crusade now I can tell you why the crusade is there because They want me to come. But I bring all kinds of people from different backgrounds, different education, different skills, different anointings, and I bring them. And I will take the first night. Because the first night is the toughest night. Because everybody and every devil has come out to see what's going on. And I mean to tell you, it's tough. 
But I take that first night. I take the hardest night so those behind me can be more uh, prosperous in what they're doing. Now, on any given night, I may be assigned to preach, but I'll step back and I'll say, hey, let that guy right over there preach. Is that true, Eric? Over and over and over. Well, aren't you paying the money? I am paying the money. Absolutely. But God is in charge of the gift, not me. And so we have to be open and allow God to do what God wants to do and not just us hoard the glory. Amen? Now, I'm glad that God has anointed me. I'm glad that I have a good report. I'm glad I have a good word. I'm glad that people know me for the demonstration. I'm glad about all that. But it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. And then we see in, a, what did I say, 1 Corinthians 7, 7, For I would that all men were even as myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after another this manner, and another after that. Then let's go to 1 Peter 4.10. I'm telling you, man, you wouldn't think there was so much in here. It's all just having on a card that you could carry it with you and read it all day long, but that's not how it is. 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, and verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so ministereth the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, what is a gift for to minister to other people? Do you notice that the one that had the gift didn't get any instruction, but the one he's ministering to did? You have to care for people. And any time a gift does not care for people or you're not a good steward, in influencing people to serve God, then your gift is simply not what God wants it to be. Amen? Yeah, hallelujah. All right, Galatians 1.5. Gifts are for time periods. You may have a gift on the inside of you. You may, God may have laid it out, said it to you, but nobody, 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 no matter how much pressure you put on anybody, nobody can position that gift to be active except God. Paul said, when it pleased God who appointed me to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, that was a divine time. That was an appointment. And so we don't get to choose when our gifts will work we just do what our gifts need for us to do that they may grow and be deepened in us. <clears throat> Every purpose has boundaries. Every purpose has boundaries. Go to Romans 12 and verse 3. Every purpose has boundaries. No gift is without government.
is 12, 3. And it says this. For I say, through the grace of God that is given unto me, to, that to every man that there... <coughs> That is more that not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. The measure of faith. And then if you look down at Romans, uh, down at 11, I think it's 11. Romans 12, 11. Nope. Let's go over to Romans, the 7th chapter and verse 11. Romans seven eleven. Remember that these are gifts of God. They're purposes. Romans, come back here. I'm telling you. Got the devil running crazy in this thing. All right, 7, 11. And it says, that's not it. Phyllis, did you mess with my notes? Phyllis, raise your hand up and say no. All right. How about 12-7? This is the last time I'm trying to get it. Uh, in verse 17, Romans 12-17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Now, when we start ministering to people and we want our gift to be seen, people think because they got a gift that automatically the world knows. No, we don't know where you live. We don't know your house number. I don't know how much you make. I don't know very much about anybody but what I do know is that when a gift comes in a person's life it has boundaries in other words there's only certain things that a gift can do and you have to govern that gift by the scripture if you just let it go crazy it will consume you it'll turn evil on you and it'll destroy you and then we have in this passage of Scripture that we as Christians are to make sure that we are humbled by our gift. A gift is not provoked. A gift is not lift up. Realize that every gift is based upon God's will for your life. Therefore, every gift should express the nature of God through you okay the gift is provided or proved to an assembly you know people think that you know everybody you know everybody John you you don't I don't either so how could a church be subject to make a place for your gift if they didn't even know if you had one. 
Yeah. Then what we must realize is every gift has to be proved to an assembly. Why? Because people don't know you. Oh, but God spoke to me as he has done hundreds of other people that have forsaken the word of the Lord. And I'm not being mean to you, I'm just telling you that everybody hears from God. Some people hear from God more than God hears from God. So every gift must be proved to an assembly. An assembly. Before it is ever accepted by anybody, it has to be proved. Character has to be proved. Faithfulness has to be proved. Purity has to be proved. Doctrine has to be proved. And if you don't have those things, then understand the church is not obligated to accept you. They really are obligated, according to Jude, <coughs> that they are to mark you as one that would sow discord and schism among the body of Christ. But you don't accept everybody at face value. But then when it comes to our gifts, we think everybody else should rise to the order that we said. No, it doesn't work like that. And so, it has to be proved. What do you mean it's got to be proved? Prove yourself faithful. Prove yourself honorable. Prove yourself respectful. Prove yourself dedicated to the house. Prove yourself dedicated to the Lord. Prove yourself. And then when you get accepted, then guess what? Honor will come. And then when honor comes, guess what? Blessing and acceptance will come. How are we supposed to accept people at face value? That's why we have the scriptures. Yep, hallelujah. Glory to God. It's the truth. <coughs> and so... Remember in Acts, the fifth chapter, where they were saying, Look out, you seven men! Do you know that every one of those men were known as a miracle worker, filled with faith and filled with the Holy Ghost? They were known. Why? Because they were approving themselves in the trenches of sickness and disease and miracles. So, we understand you have to be approved. We can't just take everything at face value. I think there was a little girl called uh, Snow White that did that. But she got knocked into a coma for several years until I came along and kissed her, and that's where I really made all my money, is kissing that girl. But uh, you know what? 
The standard that people hold their church to is a standard that they do not complete their self. We judge ourselves concerning and reminding ourselves that we once were sinners and we walked like them. Folks, we, we have to be cautious. But these statements, these things that try to control the church, these things that threaten authority. You know, if God called you someplace, you know, God called me to preach. I never asked him if I should preach one time since. He doesn't lie. He doesn't go back on what he said. So why do I have to ask him again? If God set me someplace, I'm set. So you have to prove yourself. Get involved. Yeah, but I, I got this, I got that. I didn't tell you to do what you liked. I said get involved. Get involved. Let people discover who you are. Don't tell them what your gift is because another shall declare your gift. So you just be quiet. Amen? Just, just be still. God has a time for you. <coughs> and then we want to make sure that as we do that, we become acceptable. People get to know you. You can't be known while you are living like a hermit on an island in your church. I hear people say all the time, oh, but you know, I just, I, I, I just want to go home and be with the Lord. Well, okay. God will know you and you'll know God, but nobody else will know you. Hmm. Acts the sixth chapter, they were known. Second Timothy, Paul said, don't neglect the gift that is in thee by the putting on of your hands. Don't neglect the gift. What does that tell you and I? Was it Paul's responsibility to develop the gift? Or was it Timothy? It was Timothy. It was Timothy. I can't make you do anything. You have got to work out your purpose. And you have to work out your acceptance, your proving, your honorable place. You have to do it yourself. We can't do it for you. Hmm. Yep. Well, that was, yeah. So Paul says, Timothy, don't neglect the gift that was put on thee by the laying on of hands, by the Holy Ghost. It's in you. Now you develop it. Wasn't Paul's job? Certainly wasn't my job. Wasn't any other pastor's job in that region at that time. Whose was it? Don't neglect it, Timothy. Hmm. Let's go to Proverbs 25, 14. 
David, are you enjoying this? Good. Hallelujah. Going to have Sharon pick you out the woodshed and straighten you up. <coughs> Proverbs 25, 14. And it says, Who so boasteth himself of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. That's why you don't want to declare your gift to anybody. Because really, in all truth, you are discovering it. You are building a place for it to be accepted. You are building for a place to be acknowledged, to be honored, and to be set in motion. You really don't know what your gift is going to entail. Now, I know when I say that, people say, oh, well, you don't, people aren't going to do anything. Well, that's their problem. You do something. And doing something, you'll prove what is God and what is not God. <coughs> Amen? But you can't just do nothing with your gift and expect people to know that you have taken the place of Jesus at the right hand of God. No. First Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things. Prove your gift. Let others examine it. Let others look at it. Let others scrutinize it. And yes, let the devil put it under fire. First Timothy 1.12, Paul says, God counted me faithful. I'm going to have to be faithful. Faithful. And said he was called faithful and he put him in the ministry. God's selection, it is God's timing and it's God's placement. Go to Acts, the 13th chapter. God's timing, God's placement, and God's direction. Acts, the 13th chapter. And I'm going to take a break right there. For all you folks that you know, want to go, you get a go. I don't want to keep you any longer than you uh, planned on staying tonight, but uh, I am going to continue this lesson. So, but if you have to go, look, I understand. <coughs> I got a wife. She gets hungry about 8.30. I'm telling you, it's an ugly thing. And uh, so, if you need to go, we, we are not going to look down on you or anything else. So, praise God. In... Uh, Acts, the 13th chapter. Well, let's go down to verse 2. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work the call, the ministry, the purpose that I have called them. And when they had fasted and laid hands <coughs> on them, that they sent them away. So here we see Paul and Barnabas had been ministering for years. 
but they never had the acknowledgement, the acceptance, or the honor given to the office. Therefore, they were not recognized as prophets in that land. Agabus was, Paul and Silas was not. And so, we understand that it's God's selection, it's God's timing, and it's God's placement. Now, let me ask to this. Does a man or a pastor have the ability to see any gift? If God will unveil his eyes through discerning of spirits, yes. But does God do it all the time? No, absolutely not. So let's go to Titus 3 and verse 8. So when we realize that we as mere men do not know what God is doing in the lives <coughs> of men that he has gifted. I'm sorry, I'm coughing and all that kind of stuff. Phyllis and I was making out this morning, I, and I told her, don't do that, darling. And uh, she just couldn't constrain herself. Here I am now hacking around. Anyway, uh, it's, a, it's Titus, Titus, the third chapter in verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things will I that thou confirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. But avoid foolish questions, genealogies, and contentions, and striving about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. And a man that is a heretic, after the first and the second admonishment, know that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned by himself. So let's realize that we as Christians must not get out of the boundaries of our gift. Don't get out of the boundaries of your gift. No matter what it promises you, Is not true. Go to Mark 11, 2. I'm never going to make this. Mark 11, 2. <coughs> I know I said I would. <coughs> but give me some mercy here tonight. Hallelujah. <coughs> I'm going to get Phyllis some rubber lips. Mark 11, 2. <coughs> No, we are not making out when we get home. Now, in verse 2, it says, And he said to them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as you be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereupon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto thee, Why do ye this thing? And they shall say that the Lord hath need 
of him. And straightway he will send him hither. Gifts are not lifelong, not all of them. Some can be momentary. Some can be for a purpose. This purpose here was that Jesus had to... Here comes the... Anybody want to buy a horse? Am I invoking you to call? I'm sorry, folks. I'm... <coughs> and that call is maybe for a short season, maybe for a long season. Remember that Peter looked at John and he said, well, what about him? And Jesus must have been on one of his good days. What business of it is yours? If I said he's not going to do anything, you best get up and go do what you want to do. But it's not given to you to see his gift. And so we as Christians do not see the gift in its entirety. Only God does. Amen? And so... Here Jesus says to John that he will do what he wants him to do. So we have to get up and we go and we do what God wants us to do. The Bible says, Galatians 4.1, that it is a vocation. It is a job. It's something that God is causing us to be skillful for. Not that we already are, but we will become skillful in it. Amen? And then we know that no gift is to be used for our identity. Remember, they will know us by our love. Proving a purpose is a gift of grace. It's not within man's spectrum. It's in, within God's. A gift is a purpose that God empowers an individual, you and I, to do something that we could not do on our own. That's a purpose. And then, where did the gift come from? Of course, if we go to 2 Timothy 1.13. 2 Timothy 1.13. Well, I tell you, if I was in a graveyard, I'd be scared. I think you guys had already died. 2 Timothy 1.13 Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. <coughs> the good thing which was committed unto thee by what? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. The gift was committed to you. And Paul says, look, you have to pay attention. You have to grow in this. You have to give it attention. You have to be involved with it. And 1 Timothy 4.12, 1 Timothy 4.12 says, and I have sent Ephesus, thy cloak, for that I left at Taurus, which 
with uh, Carpus, and that thou comest, bring it with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. And then it goes on down to say that we are to be aware, verse 15, we are to be aware that he hath greatly withstood us. There are going to be enemies of your gift. But you can't get bitter. You can't dig in and start fighting and declaring things about you, your friends, your church, or anybody else. The gift has been given to you. Nobody, nobody, but God can promote that gift. And if we pressure men to do so, we will separate ourselves from the influence of God. So let's not do that. Amen? Remember that the gift is greater, the altar is greater than the gift. And when we find ourselves in these things, disgusted, discouraged, turned off, you know, they don't believe in me and they don't this, they don't that, might be because they don't know you. And it might be that you have to prove yourself to people that know you. We are to know those that labor among us. Amen? We are to prove all things. And so we have these purposes, these gifts, and they are of God. There's nothing secondary about them. They are of God. God but you have to develop that gift that the church can acknowledge it prove it give it honor give it respect and see that there is something on you just like they said search you out seven men fill the Holy Ghost and faith that we can put over this work Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Well, wait, wait. No, no, let's not do that. Anybody got any questions? No. Yeah, you got one? So you said that uh, the gifts are given, but sometimes they're not for, uh, they're just for seasons, can be short or long. And I thought the Bible said, <laughs> she made me eat this and I'm afraid of her. I've been around. Well, the gifts are without repentance. In other words, they're no. given freely by grace. Okay, I understand that. But, so, but you said they can be given for just a season. And yep, they can. We, we could be given a gift uh, to go do something okay. in another city or something else. And when you accomplish that, that purpose will be dried up. All right. And then we seek God. God, what else do you want me to do? Okay. All right. Yeah, it, it's not a, everything is not a lifelong endeavor with God. Right. All right, anybody else? Where? Phyllis, you can get somebody else. <laughs> so, Pastor? Yes, sir. You as being pastor over us, would you need to see the gift or just the lay people? Wait, do I? Do, do you need to see the gift 
or, or do you just see the gift of the lay people? No, I, I need to see what people are doing. I, uh, here's what I learned a long time ago. You can call a man an elder, and he'll still be a skunk. One time, when we were first starting the church, I said, uh, hey, I'm going to let you guys, uh, you know, uh, vote on deacons like they did in Acts the sixth chapter. That sure sounded good until the guy that they voted on was sleeping with somebody else. And I said, that's it. You guys are not going to vote people in that I have to be with. I'm not going to do it. And so we will discover things like that, Ella. But what we have to do is we have to hold true when we see them laboring. Know those that labor among you. Evidently, it's going to be a good revelation that we aren't going to know those people that are dragging their rear end. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm saying if you don't do much, not many people know you because they've never experienced what God put in you. I, 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 didn't, I didn't start out as a pastor. I started out preaching on the street corners. And uh, Lazarus downtown started calling me for all these street people that they had coming in. So they said, we figured uh, you could take care of them. I said, I don't have a church. I'm not a pastor. They said, well, these people think you are. And so every time they had a problem, guess what? I got to go down. And I preached and I proved myself. Listen, every pulpit has been established by faith and prayer. This one belongs to Peter Dosak. That's who it belongs to. Say, but, but I, I want to preach. On every block, there are four corners. Amen. David, you remember I used to have center to dinners. Oh, yeah. I'd invite people. Man, listen, I had concerts. You remember that? Don Smithy and Michael would go down there and they'd play and the old white front would dump itself out. And all the drunks would come. We'd be laying on the ground with them praying in the Holy Ghost. That's how you prove yourself. But if you want to prove yourself in an isolated, flowery, air-conditioned place, nobody's going to believe in you. You say you're worried about souls? Then let's start seeing you fill the pews with souls. I remember you telling me once, um, and you told actually the whole congregation, that in the beginning when you started preaching, you didn't actually know what to do so you and Jim Brandt used to go around, he'd drive you, and you'd go around and mow their yards. I would, Just yep. to have your hand <clears throat> put to something because he was trying to figure out what God wanted you to yep. do and how to use your gift. That always stuck with me. Jim Brandt would pull in and say, you want them, Pastor? I said, yeah. So I'd go up to some old woman and say, hey, can I mow your yard? He said, now, ma'am, I'm not a freak. I'm working for Jesus. Can I do this? Oh, okay, Yeah. The lawnmower was too big to carry away anyway. Then, I mean, David mowed our lawn for Then years. David mowed our yard for years. And, uh, but we did things that was unorthodox. Calvin Schneider. Some of you don't know Calvin. He passed away, and he was my prayer partner for about 25 years. I would work for Calvin. He wouldn't pay me nothing. Too cheap. Anyway, he wouldn't... 
he wouldn't pay me anything, but what I would do is I would go and I would help him put up bars, uh, signs for bars. And then everybody that came out of the bar, Calvin gave me the right to go over and witness to them. So I'd be witnessing to them. I'd be pulling their legs out of the car, you know, laying hands on while they're on the seat. And, you know, it was just crazy. But that's what we did. In fact, uh, his name was, uh, gosh, uh, can't think of his name now. Uh, he was a pastor of Assemblies of God. Hall, Jerry Hall. So I told Calvin, I said, let's go down and witness to that guy. He said, he might be saved. I said, yeah, but he might not be. So we went down and witnessed to Jerry Hall. <laughs> Later, Jerry and I become friends, and he said, you know that I'm already saved. I said, no, we didn't know that. He said, well, I am. <laughs> I said, okay. <coughs> so those were things that we did. And, uh, you know, man, we'd be doing stuff and passing out food in uh, uh trailer parks, we, we'd be doing all that. But that's what we did. That is what we did. We did the work of the ministry. And people come to know us. So, do whatever you got to do. I don't know how orthodox it'll be. I don't know how crazy it'll be. I don't know. This is between you and God. What will you do? I've had some great, <clears throat> I told somebody today, I said, you know what? I've had so many faith problems and faith victories and breakthroughs that I miss those days when I faced needs of $150,000 for a crusade. I miss the days that I was faced with a $100,000 ketchup offering. I, I just used my faith. I didn't know anything. And I used my faith. But I miss those days. And wherever you are, you create those days because they will mold you and make you a person of faith. Amen. A person of faith. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you for coming. Hallelujah. Father, don't forget Monday. It will be the first day of 21 days of fasting. We'll be live streaming, and uh, we'll be declaring and in, instructing people uh, how to pray and things of that nature. But come out and be a part of it. You will never lose investing your time with God. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless these people. Send them forth, God, with healing, miracles, needs being met, God, and send them forth with a revelation that, God, they are the people of God. Amen and amen.